Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> uh, we got to be careful as we look at the Bible to say, what does the Bible clearly say, clearly mandate for our lives today? And then how do we apply it to recent realities? Uh, like going back to school, advancing a career, starting a business, which all require money. How should a Christian couple prioritize who gets to do what? Yeah, again, I, I'm not going to get painted into a, a corner saying that's wrong. I, heard, I once heard someone say, I can't remember who it was, it said, show me your bank statements and I can tell you where your heart is. And again, I'm not looking at it through the lens of a financial manager, so you can you can have a very different view of this. But I, I'm just looking at it through a biblical lens and saying, if you want to do that, fine. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi president and senior financial planner at SA Capital Advisors. This is the Dollar Savage Show. Thank you once again for joining us. I am your host, Shawan DME. Over the next two episodes, we are going to be listening to an interview I had with Tim Chalice. Tim was previously a guest in season one, episode eight, where we talked about tithing and generous giving. Tim is an author, speaker, and an elder at Grace Fellowship Church, Toronto. Having been married for over 20 years, Tim offers a unique perspective on family, money, and marriage. We talk about the dangers of legalism and how important it is to make a distinction between the Word of God and one's own interpretations or even cultural preferences so that we can properly apply biblical principles to various situations in marriage. In this interview, you learn about the importance of oneness, unity, and headship in a godly marriage. You learn about tips for practicing oneness in your marriage and how to deal with unorthodox situations in marriage, plus more. This is The Dollar Savvy Show. Hey, Tim. Thanks for joining us today on The Dollar Savvy Podcasts. Uh, we've had you as a guest before. We had you as a guest last season. Uh, it was really awesome. I remember we talked about the topic of um, giving, generous giving versus tithing. Uh, I got a lot of emails and responses regarding that as to how uh, challenging and inspiring that was. And so we thought to have you on again on this series we're doing. Uh, this is a series that's close to my heart. Uh, this is a series that I'm really passionate about. Um, I mean, everybody knows I'm passionate about money, but uh, more more than that, I'm passionate about marriages and passionate about seeing, uh, because money is what I do on a daily basis, uh, but at the same time, my faith comes first. And so seeing godly marriages, uh, seeing godly principles in a marriage, and in the way that I can is to shed light on helping marriages succeed when it comes to finding unity when it comes to money. Uh, the issue of money is something that is very dicey, very, uh, very 
it, it can cause a lot of angst, but it doesn't need to. A lot of those issues we addressed in season one, uh, talking about contentment, talking about guarding your heart, talking about money be, not being an idol, uh, talking about money. Uh, money is a tool, a, tre a tool, a test, and a testimony. And but this season we want to talk about money in the context of your marriage. And so, Tim here, uh, we're gonna ask Tim a bunch of questions, and we're gonna have a conversation. And I hope that you stay along with us and you enjoy the ride. Uh, for those who have not heard Tim speak before or don't know anything about Tim, uh, Tim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, I live uh, just outside Toronto. I'm a writer by trade. I've been married for 20 odd years. We've got three kids who are roughly 13, 16, and 19. And uh, yeah, that, um, I attend Grace Fellowship Church in Toronto. I'm one of the elders slash pastors there. I've been uh, at that for a number of years, but my main vocation is as a writer. Wow, that's um, how long. Have you, how long have you been doing this now? I've been full time writing for probably five years or so. I've been doing part time before that for probably sixteen, seventeen years, all told. Wow! If you haven't written, seen, if you haven't seen any of Tim's uh, writings, you can find it on chalice.com. That's C H A L L I E S dot com. He has a lot of great material on um, on there for believers to challenge you to encourage you on so many aspects of the christian walk really um now tim you mentioned that you have you're married and you also have three kids how how long have you been married been married for 20 coming up on 21 years i guess wow yeah that's for for people like myself who've only been married going on seven years that seems like a lifetime <laughs> yeah it, it pretty much is we got married young i was 21 she was just 22 so uh yeah we got married very young and have really it, it has been a lifetime in the sense that we grew up together so both of us moved out of our parents home on the day we got married got hitched and have been obviously together ever since wow that's that's amazing and i guess for us today, some of the things we really want to focus on, first of all, is, I mean, we talked about it, the, the issue of money. Uh, why do we need to discuss the topic of money in marriage? Why is it even important? Um, what does the Bible say about, about that? What does the Bible say about money and marriage? Yes. I mean, really, it treats those two things as separate. So I think what we need to do is establish if and how they actually connect. So the Bible has a lot to say about money. It's a very prominent theme. The Bible has a lot to say about marriage and relationships. That's very prominent. It doesn't have a ton to say about the overlap. So maybe that's kind of what we need to do is establish is there overlap and how. And then, um, of course, the way that actually applies in, in real life and real marriages is, is always the trick, right? Where can, where can you take biblical themes and apply them to real life? Mm -hmm. So if we, if we take it, if we talk about marriage for a second before we talk about money, sure. um, there are a lot of things we can talk about money, some of which we discussed in previous podcasts. But if we, if we talk about marriage for a minute there, let's talk about oneness. The one the Bible says, um, and the two shall become one. What does the Bible say about oneness in marriage in general? Yeah, the Bible um, establishes the principle that in marriage, two people in some way become bound together. And so there's, there's lots of ways we could say that human beings are, are joined together in, in relationships. Um, so you could look at tribal groupings, you could look at national groupings, you could look even at churches. And in some way, you have multiple people who become a unit. 
in that way. Um, however, marriage is particular in, in that in some way when God looks at a husband and wife, yeah, he sees two individuals, but in some way he's, he also sees one unit. He sees, he sees two and he sees one. Um, and the oneness in marriage is, of course, established um, through marriage and then established and symbolized through the sexual union, but it, it includes a lot more than that. Um, so there, there's this deep sense in which, well, the two are one, that you're bound together for life, you're bound together through all circumstances, uh, you're supposed to function not as two individuals, but as one, as one unit, almost as one, one being in some mm-hmm. senses. So it's safe to say that whatever affects one one spouse, definitely in not only not only from the spiritual sense but also even in the material sense affects the other spouse. Correct, because they're one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you're talking particularly money finances, then yes, very much. Um, the principles will apply not just to to two separate individuals, but there have to be ways in which money applies to both people uh, equally. So. If there, if so, if the one is applies to money and finances, so what does, what do you think that should look like? Oneness applied to money. Was was that the question? That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's going to have to be some unity, unity of principles and unity of action between the two. And so rather than one person relating to money one way and the other person relating to money in a very different way, there's going to have to be some unity in the way we think about money, the way we behave toward our money, the way we spend money, the way we we treat our money, the way we regard money, all of that. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I suppose that's probably the main thing, that the, the two are going to have to function not as two independent financial units, but as mm-hmm. one. And so one of the things you see in churches is churches, I don't necessarily love this language, but churches speak of giving units. So when you look at the membership of a church and you're just trying to figure out how can we plan financially as a church, you generally don't look at a husband and wife as two giving units, but you look at them as one giving unit together. And there's a reason, right. there's a rationale behind that. Whereas if these two people are roommates, they would be two giving units, but they're not. They're husband and wife, so they're one. So there's kind of this assumption that a husband and wife will be giving, will be looking at money, uh, relating to money as a unit, not as individuals. So why do you think there's so much anxiety and strife when it comes to money and the issue of in marriages? Uh, we, there's this, many people throw statistics out there to say uh, 50% of marriages and uh, results in divorce as a result of money in the church and even outside the church. Now, I don't know how true those statistics are, but there is some truth to that in terms of money is a big issue that causes a lot of strife in marriage. Why do you think that is? Yeah, when we do pre-marriage counseling, uh, we definitely focus on sex, in-laws, and money as three of the the major uh, struggles that many couples encounter, especially in the early years of marriage. Um, so those are just areas where, where people tend to struggle, and money is, is one of them. Uh, why is that? Because money has a way of reflecting the heart. I mean, God makes it very clear that um, the way you use your money is not independent of your character, not independent of your, your much bigger beliefs about God and humanity and the things that matter most, but very consistent with it. So the way you understand God, the way you understand yourself in relation to God is going to transform, is going to change the way you you use your money. So money displays the heart. 
And um, it also really, money calls us to prove our faith. So when we come to Christ in repentance and faith, we, we believe that God will provide for us. We take it on faith that just as God watches over the sparrows, he'll watch over us. Just as he clothes the flowers of the field, he will clothe us. Um, one of the ways we prove our faith in God is by giving some of our money to him. I mean, first it's establishing, as we've talked about before, this is God's money. And then I'm going to prove my deep faith in, in God and prove that I believe it's his money by giving him the first of it. Um, I've used budgeting software in the past called You Need a Budget. It's not Christian made. It's actually Mormon made. But the principle applies within the Mormon false faith as well, yeah. Yeah. which is that money comes first. And so in the early or tithing comes first. So in the early versions of the software, at least I haven't looked at it more recently, when you set it up and you kind of click start using this software, the very first line is tithing. And I like that. That that shows something that we're supposed to display in our own lives, which is tithing doesn't come at the end with what's left over, or at least giving generously to the Lord doesn't come at the end with what's left over. It comes first. It's my first priority, giving back to the Lord what he's given to me. That's that that's true. Um in a lot of our conversations in the past we've talked about the fact that money, uh where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also. And so money is a very good reflector. How we handle it, what our thoughts, uh, our thought processes, what our mindset is, definitely reflects where our heart is, what our priorities are, uh, what are important, what's important to us. Uh, I heard, I once heard someone say, I can't remember who it was. It said, "Show me your bank statements, and I can tell you where your heart is." Yeah, absolutely. And right, and, and that's so true. And go going to bank statements. Um, Many times when I'm when I'm working with individuals and couples, I find that there in in a case where there's no unity, uh, both couples are always doing things independently. Now, what would you say to those who believe that each spouse should keep their money separate and split the bills? I don't think the Bible speaks clearly to that. So. Um... When the Bible was written, there were no banks, there were no bank statements as we would understand it today. There was probably no splitting the bills as we would understand it today. So mm -hmm. uh, we got to be careful as we look at the Bible to say, what does the Bible clearly say, clearly mandate for our lives today? And then how do we apply it to recent realities? So if you're talking about a couple that's splitting the bills or keeping their money separate... I don't think the Bible will say that you may not do that. You're going to have a tough time saying, here's where in Scripture I can say that is absolutely forbidden. But I do think you'd come back to principles that would speak to that. So if there is to be a oneness between a husband and wife, how can you best reflect that oneness in your finances? That doesn't necessarily have to mean a shared account. And, you know, I think in some ways all of us have separate accounts and perhaps... Uh, different credit cards um, or in different um, RRSP or TFSA accounts or whatever it is. You know, there's there's ways in which you keep those things separate. Um, right. But having some knowledge of each other's money and, and making sure that we're using our money together as a unit toward the same big causes, I think that would be a more important principle than actually whose name is on each of the accounts. So taking that, pulling, pulling on that thread, so it is possible to operate as one, even though they're keeping their monies separate. And let me clarify that. Um, There's some accounts you have to keep it separate, like TFSAs and RSPs and registered accounts. Those have to be separate because of the way uh, the government treats those accounts. But here we're talking about um, your income coming into 
separate accounts and then figuring out how you're going to divvy that up in terms of paying off your bills. We're talking about as you as you earn, how do you how do you handle that? Do you handle that individually? Do you handle that separately? Uh, I know the Bible doesn't give us a template to say, okay, you have to handle it together. But just like you said, the Bible gives us principles, right? Right? Can you shed some light on that, on, on what you what you think those principles should, how they should play out? Yeah, I want to be very careful because when we get into areas like this where the Bible does not speak clearly, this is where what we talk about legalism. And this is where we can come along and bring a law, a man-made law, and we right, right. think we're helping the Bible out here, but we may actually be taking away from it. So. I think there would be ways couples could see this differently and both could do that within their understanding of scripture and within freedom of conscience and it would be just fine. Um, I mean, speaking personally, Aileen and I have always had one checking account and that, you know, one, uh, our income has gone into one account and our expenditures have come out of one account for a time. I was the one who paid the bills and ran the budget. Um, more recently, she's the one who pays the bills and runs the budget. Um, and, you know, we think there's there's lots of leeway to do those things. Uh, again, the principle I want to push toward is real unity in your use of finances. So just as I think a husband and wife probably ought to be going to the same church together and, and worshiping and serving together, there's probably good, well, there's definitely good grounds to be using your money together. I don't think that necessarily implies you must have shared accounts. Uh, what I probably want to be careful of is a husband saying, this pool of money here is mine. I will use it for my purposes in my way. And this money over here is yours. You use it according to your principles in your way. That would probably be more concerning to me, especially if those things were very, very different. If people were trying to hide things from one another, I want a separate account so she doesn't see what I'm spending my money on. That would be a far more concern than just the simple fact of your account is under this number and mine is under that number. Okay, so underlying that really is one, uh, the oneness and uh, this is our money. This is, uh, we may decide, okay, we're going to have separate accounts, but there should be transparency in both accounts. There should be a unity in terms of how uh, the funds are allocated for different expenses and whatnot in, the, in both accounts, even though they're individual separate accounts. And there, there should be a oneness really in terms of, okay, this is our money. This is what we're doing with it. Uh, even though they're both in separate names, just for whatever preference sake, is there has to be an agreement as to how we are spending the money in this, in each account, essentially what the theme we're drawing out of scripture is. Correct. Yeah, I, I think something along those lines. And again, I want to give leeway for different couples to see it a little bit differently. So I think about Eileen and I getting married in our young 20s. We had no money. It was really simple for us just to take the few hundred dollars we each had in our accounts and pull it together and get going. Mm -hmm. If you get married in your 40s or 50s and you both have very established lives and habits and patterns and all that, it may look different. And that's that's absolutely fine. And even then, we're looking at this through very 21st century Western eyes, which is fine. We're both in... In Canada, we're both looking at it through that grid, but if somebody's listening to this in a different part of the world or, I don't know, 100 years from now, it might really, it might be very different. So the principle that I think is timeless is the oneness of marriage and finance being a way um, that particularly displays the heart. So how are we as a couple who in a sense shares a heart, how are we best going to display our unity, our shared love, our shared mission in this world through our finances? 
And so the, the one key thing I keep hearing is how are we, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So there has to be some sort of agreement on uh, the the income that's coming in and how it's it's been used. It's not a case of this is my money and this is what I want to do with it. Uh, this is your money and you can do whatever you want with it. It is it's it's the oneness principle says that we it, it's both it's, it's both of ours and this is by God's grace where we believe that God may um, lead us in terms of utilizing that. Correct. Sure. Yeah. And I don't think that would rule out the idea that both. People have a certain pool of money they can just use for whatever they like in the month, that kind of thing, you know, but just mm -hmm. generally in the big picture, yeah, we're together in life, we're together financially, and so we're making decisions together, we're um, mm -hmm. putting our money toward the same causes, things like that. Generally, I mean, I mean, everybody has their preferences. Generally, what I usually, what I usually advise is um, at least for the checking accounts or the account where the income comes in i generally i generally recommend uh for the account to be one and then you can both decide how you split up that money into the different accounts or whatnot and the reason why i i usually recommend that is because one it, it creates a, a lot of transparency so there's no hidden pockets and the truth is this we are all human and sometimes a uh, human heart can uh, have tendencies to want to do things without telling our spouse uh, because we feel we may offend them. Uh, but at the same time, that transparency helps keep us within certain guidelines that when our hearts wants to lead us astray, when we know that we are accountable to our spouse, it keeps us somewhat in check. Now, it doesn't mean that if you have joint accounts, you can never have indiscretions financially outside those accounts. But the point here is that those uh, having joint accounts, at least for the initial money coming in, I believe it personally it does help to, to keep that transparency and that accountability uh, open so that each spouse knows what's coming in, each spouse knows uh, how it's being used, and we can hold each other accountable in terms of how we use that money. Uh, so I hear you, I, I think one of the, the things I'm hearing from you is, um, I mean, you're a financial advisor, and so you're distinguishing, I think, between thus says the Lord and thus says Sean, right? And Correct. Correct. I think, so you're looking at this through a Christian financial advisor. I'm looking at this through a Christian public speaker or something like that. And so I think mm -hmm. you have to be clear in your, and I have to do this in, in counseling people too, here is what the Bible says. Now, here's how I might apply that. And I think in your life, people mm. are coming to you for advice. So you can, I, I think for you, if you're talking to Christians, this is what the Bible makes clear. Now, as a financial advisor, here's what I think is wise. But just drawing that clear distinction between what the Bible makes absolutely clear and right, what right. you think is a legitimate Christian application of it, that is, it's when you mix those two, you conflate those two that you've entered into legalism, right? When the word of Sean and the word of the Lord become the same thing that's where we, mm -hmm. we transgress a boundary so as long as you're distinguishing between those and absolutely that's why that's why we have financial advisors and that's a different task than a theologian correct and i and i do agree with you and i mean i have i have families who do not join their accounts together and they still work uh, harmoniously well together they still um divvy up their bills together they do everything well within scriptural um context of obedience and oneness and whatnot uh the point i was making with that is that it's just for one um, 
it it's it provides a lot of clarity and it allows you to i mean it doesn't mean that my what i'm saying either is is the way it's just just like you said having that foundation in scripture this is what god says now um, this is what God says, but in some cases, this is what's also expedient in terms of helping guard the both of you. Right. Now, now, can you share some practical tips on how to practice oneness with, with, with money? Yeah, well, I think you've just given one in that you're saying there's substantial benefit, even if it's not necessarily a financial benefit, it's just a, a oneness or shared mission kind of benefit in having a joint let's say checking account, just that fluid account where money's coming in and out. So I think that can be very helpful right there. I'd say another one would be having a budget. So using some sort of budgeting software or budgeting um, habits program, whatever it is, and then looking at that together. So maybe one person is leading that and actually plugging the numbers in or downloading the statements or whatever's involved, but then both looking at it together. Um, a third would just be to, to actually talk about money, right? To make that one of those areas where we can speak frankly and where either one can say to the other, I don't think that was a legit expenditure. I think you spent too much on that. Or I think we need to scale back here. Or I think we can give more to this cause. And just being able to communicate without it becoming really dramatic. And, um, you know, I, I think all of us in marriage have certain topics that it's hard to talk about. And so we tend not to. And that can show a disruption in our oneness can show an area where uh, we've really got to work hard to be able to communicate productively. So and if you just talk about money and have good conversations about it, then that alone, I think, is going to bear great fruit in a marriage. So in, in a case whereby uh, the couples talk about money, uh, each each one each one's income comes to separate pots and they divide how they're going to split the bills in terms of Okay, you take 70% or 60% of the bills and you take that. And then the rest of the money is yours. Uh, do you think that's uh, a wise way in the sense that, yes, they're talking about their family budget, but the rest of the, 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 rest of the money is not, there's really no joint, uh, there's really no joint decision on how those things are, how, how that money is used. Yeah, again, I, I'm not going to get painted into a, a corner saying that's wrong. Um, from And again, I'm not looking at it through the lens of a financial manager. So you can, mm -hmm. you can have a very different view of this. But I, I'm just looking at it through a biblical mm -hmm. lens and saying, if you want to do that, fine. You're, w once you cross that line of what the Bible says, the Bible does not explicitly say you must have one bank account. It does not explicitly say you must not. So then we're into the, the realm of wisdom, right? So now we just start asking, what's the wisest thing? And that's where I think you come in, right? I think that's where I'm, I think that's the, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm going with this is in terms of, uh, yes, this is what the Bible says, but, uh, yes, this is what the Bible says. And here, here are some wise ways to, um, you could, or you could apply that. Um, now when it comes to pursuing personal goals, for instance, uh, like going back to school, advancing a career, starting a business, which all require money. How should a Christian couple prioritize who gets to do what? And the reason why I'm asking here is this, I have, uh, a couple of friends in mind who are both pursuing their own agendas. Uh, in their case, they're not one in their in 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 the way their money is managed in the first place. So, there's there the breakdown is. But each one has goals and agendas and things they want to accomplish. How what advice would you give 
to couples in terms of deciding whose goals do you pursue first or how do you go about this? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a tricky thing. And that's the sort of thing I hope good pre-marriage counseling is covering. Um, as you talk to people, prepare them for marriage, hopefully over the course of a number of hours of, of meeting with them. Hopefully you're speaking to them about these things and working not just on the current situation, but helping them project into the future a little bit. And what are your goals and dreams and have you shared that and how will you accomplish that? And, and from a Christian lens, you know, where has God gifted you? Um, what does God require of you? All those sorts of questions. Um, in terms of who gets priority in those things, I expect there's there's just so many different factors you'd have to account for. So um, I think biblically, you can make a, a strong case that the Bible puts the main onus for provision on the husband, not on the wife. So um, it is up to him primarily, or it's perhaps more in his area of responsibility to ensure that there is financial provision for the family. It doesn't mean the wife can't work um, or anything like that, but it just means that falls primarily under him. Meanwhile, it's clear that God has equipped women to um, primarily take the lead in child raising and pregnancy, giving birth, child raising. Um, So I don't think we have to be embarrassed or flustered, even though that flies directly in the face of what our society is saying, that there's total Mm -hmm. equality of not just of value, but also in function. But no, I think we can see that God calls men to take the lead in some areas and women in others. So I want to keep that in mind. on the other hand, God gifts people equally. He distributes gifts of teaching, of um, intellect, of um, all these different abilities. He, th- there's no reason God gives those more to men than to women. So um, I think you can make a good case that if a woman is particularly able or particularly skilled, particularly interested, brilliant, all of those things, that she can explore capabilities as well and, and get further training. So... Um, yeah, I think in previous ages, it would just be very obvious, just the man, get the man the training so he can further his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think we necessarily have to go in that direction. However, he does need to be able to provide. So I don't, I don't know if that's, so, that's not a direct answer to the question. But again, it, it, the, these are abstract questions, whereas in reality, we're dealing with two people, <laughs> real individuals mm-hmm. made in the image of God, each with their own distinct makeup and we have to deal with those individuals so abstract principles aren't always perfectly applicable so staying on that thought for a moment um yes i believe the bible does put the onus on the man to provide for the family uh, but i mean today with a, a lot's changing today and now i always say this don't let what we we should not allow the society today to dictate how we see, how we interpret scripture. I do believe scripture still always has to remain authority. But having said that, uh, we're in a modern era where women work as hard as women, as men do. Uh, women earn, in some cases, more than their husbands do. And so in a case where a woman earns the higher income, uh, on the topic of oneness or on the topic of headship, what should that look like in, in a case where maybe the man's not even working at all for whatever reason because maybe he doesn't have the skill set he's trying to work but he's he's had he's had a tough luck with finding good jobs not because he doesn't uh, i i don't think i'm excusing the deadbeat husband here in this case Um, i'm talking legitimately about a man who works hard 
but his earning capacity is so low that the wife in, in, in this in this situation earns a whole lot more and technically is the breadwinner. How should a couple handle a search a situation like that? So that was part one of my interview with Tim. Stay tuned in for the next episode to listen to the rest of our conversation. If you've enjoyed this interview, please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Coming up next is Couples Corner with Rohan and Chrisan. This is The Dollar Savvy Show. This podcast is sponsored by GM Travels and Tours. Now, if you feel money is tight and the idea of traveling with your family is out of reach, GAM Travels and Tours can help. Serving over 100 plus families to date, GAM Travels and Tours specialize in making travel affordable for you. With destinations in Canada to the US and international, your next planned trip could be days away. One of the things I like about GAM Travels is assuming you're, you're planning to travel next year, sometimes it's hard to figure out where the cash for that will come from. Well, GM Travels has the perfect plan to help you make that vacation possible. Use the dollar savvy code TRAVELDSP. Email GAMTravelsandTours at gmail.com. That's G-A-M-T-R-A-V-E-L-S-A-N-D-T-O-U-R-S at gmail.com and plan your next family vacation today. GAM Travels and Tours. Travel affordably. Welcome to the Dollar Savvy Show. This is Couples Corner with my good friends Rohan and Chrisan. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're, <laughs> we're good. Rohan and Chrisan are very good family friends of ours and um they asked to be on the show and they have a lot to share with us today so it's exciting having you guys on thanks for having us (laughs) so for those who don't know tell us a little bit about yourself well as you said my name (laughs) my name is rohan and i've been in the financial services industry for about 11 years and been married to chrisanne for six years and Mm -hmm. we have two boys Um, one is four and a half and one is three Mm, that's around the age of my boys. Uh, busy house, I can tell. Yes, actually, one is calling right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll let Rohan quickly go, and um, Chris and you can you can hold down the fort for a little bit, right? Yes, I can. <laughs> so, Chris and tell. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll loop we'll loop Rohan back in when he comes. So how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married for six years. May gone. Um, six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. Six very interesting years. Why do you say interesting? <laughs> well, I like, I guess you would consider like when we got married younger. Um, mm-hmm. In comparison with a lot of people. So I think that even at that point in time, there's just kind of, I guess, different dynamics and we're dealing with maturity and um, a lot of other things, Most, mostly mostly surrounding maturity through marriage. Mm-hmm. So, and also just kind of figuring out 
who we are, what we want to do, what kind of life we want to have. So mm-hmm. I think that was, there was a lot of that going on. <laughs> well, you know, God, God has kept you guys. Um, so we thank God for that. Uh, marriage definitely requires a lot of sacrifices. And um, I can imagine both of you have made each of your different sacrifices to make it work so far. Now, yes. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rowan was away for a few minutes there to go make sure the kids were sleeping. But Rowan, I asked um, how long you guys been married. And um, I guess I'll ask you the next question is, in terms of handling money, different people have different money personalities. How would you describe, I won't say describe yourself this time, I'll actually say how would you describe Chris Ann in terms of handling money? Chris Ann is what I like to call a frugal spender. So <laughs> That's an oxymoron. <laughs> so, so Chris Ann... She, do, she doesn't spend like the traditional person would. She will research and research and research and research to make sure, one, that she's getting the best deal she could possibly get. And two, mm-hmm. if there's a discount, that she has gotten that discount before she's made that purchase. That's what's and, up. Yeah. So, so for, for me, I'm just like, man, if, it, if it's there and I like it, I'll just go buy it. But yeah. for her, she's like, nah, we got to make sure we, we do all of our research on this thing and make sure. And... She makes sure that she looks at every single return policy to make sure even if it doesn't work out, she can return that thing. She can return it. I don't like to necessarily go to places without a good return policy. (laughs) (laughs) Just, it's not that I return everything. It's just like, (laughs) I don't. But in the case that something doesn't work out, like if there's Mm -hmm. a flex in the return policy, it's good. Right, Rohan? Yeah, that's right. I, 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 <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, she she's definitely someone who does her research before she makes a purchase. So I, that's something that I definitely appreciate because I'm not like that at no, all. He's not. <laughs> so, Christine, how's Rohan in terms of handling money? What's his money personality like? Mm, Rohan, oh man, he's a spender. He's nah. he's gotten better. He's gotten better. I think that's partly due to like us being married. Sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. He he's the type of person that like for him a good time is going shopping and buying a pair of shoes or buying a dress shirt and buying some pants. And like he likes shopping. Like mm-hmm. he liked it. But not just for me though. Like if I were to buy a pair of shoes for the boys or buy you know, buy you some sneakers or buy you some I know, some pumps. You I'm like pretty going happy about shopping. That. I do not. Yeah. I don't. I, That's so I, reverse. <laughs> 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 well, at least in my household, um my wife's my wife's the one that loves shopping. Not that she's a she's a, a big spender, she's very thrifty. But mm-hmm. she still enjoys shopping. I don't, so I can totally, <laughs> I can totally understand how you feel, Chrisanne. Yeah, um, it, it just takes so much time. <laughs> so, so seeing how you guys are different, how has that personality or both your personalities evolved since you've been married? Like, what has that done in terms of challenging you? Or yeah, hmm. you want you want, want me to answer? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, what I'll say is I'll start with uh, from the first point is that when we first got married, there's a lot of 
you know, back and forth because it was very clear that I was the spender. So it was like, okay, well, Rohan, we have debt, so we need to pay off this debt. So right off the bat, I'm like, okay, I'm going to show my, my, you know, that we're on the same team. I'm like, Chrisanne, you handle the money, and that's it. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. So, but for me, that was that resulted in a lot of bitterness because I'm like, man, I see my paycheck. I want to go buy some Jordans. <laughs> so, 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 that, that was, <laughs> so that was like the kind of like the the, the, the beginning part of our relationship when, when we got married. But as it evolved, I started to realize, you know, Chrisanne's mindset is the mindset to have, especially if you want to grow a family. So the way mm-hmm. it evolved was, you know, I learned to kind of trust her. Like even now to this day, she handles the money, right? She mm-hmm. she handles everything. And I, I don't even think twice because I know she's, she has it covered. So um, just- I just, tried to involve him though, but he's not very interested sometimes. I, I'm a good overseer. <laughs> you <know>? oh, <laughs> and, and you know, there's a, there's a place for that, right? Because- uh, not to cut you off, is it's sometimes it's hard for both parties to be equally as involved in the day to day expenses of a household. Uh, for instance, yeah. you wouldn't think so, but even though I'm the financial guy, I'm not the one that handles the day to day money spending. It's my wife, <laughs> <laughs> right? We could sit down together and do the budget, and I just let her do the all the execution and right. leave some room for margin to know that, you know what, trust her decision. So, uh, Chrisanne, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of trying to get Rohan on, on involved in it, I think it's a good idea to continue to make sure he's he's part of the overall conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But as to getting him involved in the nitty-gritty that... <laughs> <laughs> that has been has proven a challenge and may not in the long run be sustainable anyways yeah no i don't i i agree with you <laughs> i agree so quisan <laughs> on your end how have things mm-hmm. changed um i think that i've been like i i sometimes would get more guilty when <clears throat> say we have a goal and like things go off the reel for that month or that week I will say that for me I'm a a little bit more relaxed about that not that I don't care but I've become a little bit more relaxed and Mm -hmm. then um in terms of just kind of basic things like if there's a day where we are just bus tired and (laughs) don't cook like Rohan's not the type of person to kind of hold it over my head if it's kind of like oh like we spent this and oh like we're not gonna make mm-hmm. the bill. he's not that type of person so <clears throat> I think that it's made me just probably less rigid about mm-hmm. um spending and then I think even now we're at a, a better place where we're able to be a bit less rigid on the day to day as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been helpful for me. <laughs> and just in general, rigidity in general. Yeah. I so mean, you like so you say that it, because you as Rohan described you, you are the thrifty spender? Frugal spender. Frugal spender, <laughs> correct. <laughs> You're the frugal spender. Um, that means naturally you you do a double take on everything you buy and you go over it a couple of times, but 
you've learned to relax a little bit and just enjoy life a little bit. Yes, you need to be disciplined, but I think a little bit too much of that can, life can pass you by, you have no fun. Right. And um, I'm sure something in the past, would Rohan, would you say that has probably caused you a, a little bit of stress because you feel that um, you are, <laughs> you can't color outside the lines. Everything has to be always dotted on the T's always have to be crossed. Would you say that has been probably any of your, one of your biggest challenges? I would definitely say that. Like one. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see that. I can still see that. It's, Cause, it, it, yeah. Cause um, I'll give you an example. So, if I'm at work a day and I'm like, you know what? Like, I could really use a snack, like a bag of chips. <laughs> You're a snacker. Because I'm a snacker, right? So <laughs> if it's like $2, I'm like, I don't know if this is the right decision to make. No, like, <laughs> I'm decision is if should I buy these, this bag of chips? I'm like, man, it's $2. Right? But like, that can add up. Like, five days, but two, like, five bags of chips, that's $10 right there. So it's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're so thinking, just, what will Chris Ann do? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if I come home, like, babe, I, 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 bought, I bought some Doritos. Um, <laughs> yeah. no, I buy a car. I bought Doritos. <laughs> yeah, so so Chris is no longer losing it. No. no, no. <laughs> but it's but you look back on it and you kind of laugh because now what if I if I need a snack, I go buy a bag of chips. So I have a, a nice little chuckle. Before I'm like, man, look how far we've come. <laughs> look how far you've come. It's amazing, eh? Uh, yeah. It's amazing how God puts people in your lives who are, especially when it comes to your spouse, who are the exact opposite. And and so many times it's to grow us. Yeah, uh, for sure. One of my best, one of my mentors before we got married told me something and said, marriage is the number one place God is going to use to sanctify you. Yep. And I have seen that so really in my marriage. And just hearing your story here is another example of how God's bringing out, using your best to bring out the best in your spouse. Mm -hmm. What would you say, if you were to share with uh, those who are listening, what is the advice you would give to couples who are struggling one of the things i love about your story and just hearing you guys talk and also knowing you personally is that you guys are so together in so many things that you're having these conversations and <laughs> you are in tune uh financially and i absolutely love it and but not everybody's on the same page uh not everybody has the same kind of relationship you guys have what would you say has been the key to your relationship and that unity that you guys have found um i would say um like you say we're on the same page now and i think that took us a while so mm -hmm. if, <clears throat> i think if i was to advise anybody it would be like take the time to get on the same page because it it takes work like rohan and i are very very different people yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you can realize that in theory, you might have the same goals, but when it actually comes to practice, you're actually not on the same page. Mm. So I would say kind of taking the time to make sure that like what you said is a goal is actually a goal to both of you mm -hmm. um, and not being, I, I can't say not getting frustrated. Like you can't prevent frustration, 
but I would say not being um, surprised if it takes a while to do that, especially if, you know, you're very different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would say something around the same thing too, but I think for most couples, it's, it's the one problem that you they both see and you don't talk about it. If you if you don't talk about it, then you're in serious trouble because then they'll just keep mounting up, and then uh, everything comes to a boiling point if you're if you're in a marriage. Because if you're just in a relationship, you just walk away. But when you're married, mm-hmm. you're in your life. Or you hope so. Oh, you hope so, right? <laughs> <laughs> My wife said something a few days ago that she heard. Mm-hmm. She said, "When you stay silent to keep the peace, you start a war inside of yourself." Yeah, I agree. Yep. <laughs> I agree. And sure. that war is is she said it. She said she heard it somewhere. I'm like, wow, that's really profound. She's like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but um, uh, but for real though, it's it's just like you said, Ryan, is not being afraid to have the hard conversation, right? And Chris and you said not yes you can get frustrated but not let the frustration get to you or not letting the frustration prevent you from trying to work through it right that to me in your story has been the key is we're both going to fit into this pants and we're going to figure out how we're going to do that (laughs) (laughs) it's true it's so so true um, I'm happy for you guys. I'm excited for you guys. You guys know I love you. I love your family. I um, love you guys too. Yeah, man, we love you, man. It's been so. It's been funny how to see just how both of our families have grown. Yeah, man. For sure. Um, I pray that God continues to bless your home, bless your marriage, and continue to see you work together. And some way, somewhere down the road put you in a position to help others too. Uh, the reason why we have I have this show is because God placed it on my heart that marriages are struggling and mm-hmm. money is a lot of times at the bottom of, or at least one of the issues couples are having. So having yeah. stories like yours, uh, where people can hear that your struggle is not unique to you, but you can work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely encourage others. Um, thank you very much for sharing your story. Um, Chris, Santa, Ruan, it's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thank you for having us. And yeah, I agree that your show will do this for sure. Yeah. So this had, thank you very much. So this has been Couples Corner on the Dollar Savvy Show. Thank you for listening. And if you're a couple and you'd love to share your story, please send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. This is the Dollar Savvy Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast. And you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377. Or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you. Mission Media.